Want to see the world from a totally different perspective? Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to the Francesca Luca Show. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. Hi, everyone. You're tuned into the Francesca Luca Show. And in the next hour, you're going to know a little bit more than you do now. So stay with me here. Little housekeeping. My web address is talkwithfrancesca.com. And if you miss part of this show, you can hop on over to my iTunes page and listen there. And I would love it if you would leave a review. All right, then. We've got some important information this evening. I'm not the anti-drinking police, but we live in a culture where the first question you're usually asked at an event is red or white. Carrie Bradshaw and her rounds of Cosmos and Bridget Jones with her glasses of Chardonnay, female drinkers are kind of funny. They suffer through hangovers, swear they're going to cut back, but then they renege. But many women find that the drinking isn't funny at all. In the U.S. and Western Europe, growing numbers of women struggle with alcoholism, and in some places, women's rate, rates of alcohol abuse have achieved parity with men's. Ann Dossett Johnson is the author of Drink, The Intimate Relationship Between Women and Alcohol. She's my guest tonight, and we're talking about what's driving the increase in female binge drinking and alcoholism. She's going to share with us what she's learned from research and from her own alcoholism about advertising, addiction, and the challenges facing women who seek treatment. Anne is the winner of five National Magazine Awards. She previously investigated the connection between women and alcohol in a 14-part series she wrote for the Toronto Star. Big welcome to you, Anne. Thanks for coming back again on the show. So, so grateful to be with you, Francesca. Anne, let's start, if we could, with your own struggle with alcohol addiction, because from what I remember, it's been quite a while But uh, when you were on the show, but it kind of snuck up, up on you, didn't it? Yeah, thank you for remembering that. It, it snuck up on me. I was a very successful journalist in Canada. I had, um, I didn't miss work. I, in fact, won awards at work. And I became the vice principal of McGill University, which is arguably our biggest university in Canada. Right. In that overwork period, I also went through empty nest syndrome and a very big depression associated with menopause. And I found myself having my two glasses of wine a night um, and then having three. And then when it morphed to four, I knew I, I was in trouble. I was extremely aware of alcoholism because my mother had been an alcoholic, and I thought an alcoholic looked like she did. In other words, mm-hmm. sleep all day, drink all night, don't have a job. Um, and I thought, I don't even look like my mother. This is... <laughs> This is probably fine, and it was not fine. When you were at the, well, three-drink mark, did you start to think I might be having a problem at that point? I knew I had a problem. I think I think all of us do know when we, we are having a problem. And, you know, for years I, I carried around Drinking a Love Story by Carolyn Knapp, arguably one of the better books on, on in Quitlet. And I would do, she has a little quiz at the back of the book, are you, do you have a drinking problem? And I would, over time, answer that quiz and realized I was in trouble but didn't want to tell anybody. So what did you do? What happened to me is that my 
closest cousin was killed by a drunk driver on Father's Day. He had um, four children, and his youngest was in the front seat, had brain damage. And I sat on the floor of my beautiful condo in Montreal, and I pulled out, I'm a very visual person, a piece of paper and wrote, The Wall of Why, Why Should I Continue? I'm sorry, the what? I I didn't hear you. The what? The Wall of Why, Why Should I Continue? Oh, the Wall of Why, Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And I realized... In putting that picture of my son, picture of my dog, picture of my loved ones on this, that there was a reason to go on living mm-hmm. and living a different life. And I took myself to rehab. I took a big hammer to what had actually taken down my father and my mother and realized that having lost my childhood to alcohol and now my favorite cousin, I, I had to save myself. Do you think it's a hereditary disease? About 60, my research said about 65% of it was hereditary. Um, But I think the culture we're living in, I think we are wallpapered with alcohol messaging. I think to a degree that we don't even see it anymore. You mentioned sex in the city, you know, whether you're, whether you're talking uh, talking about the good wife or you're talking about movies, definitely. It's the round sound messaging that if you want to celebrate, relax, or reward, alcohol mm-hmm. needs to be part of the picture. Right. And and exactly. it's very hard to fight that in this culture, isn't it? It is. You know, it, it reminds me um, when I when I was saying that, that at an event it's red or white. I was at a, a holiday party back a couple months ago, and you know, so it's now it's in the afternoon. Um, you know, it's an open house from two to six or something, and the the host comes up to me, red or white, just like that. And I said, mm-hmm. Nah, it's it's really a little early. It'll you know it'll bother me. He said, Really? Seriously? No, oh, come on. He said, I've got this this white and I've got this red. And I said, nah, you know what? If, if I have a cocktail at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, even if it's only one, it's going to give me a buzzy feeling. And and he looked at me and said, well, isn't that what you're looking for? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it was funny, but it's not funny, you know. Um, and if truth be told, that host, one of his um, parents had actually passed away of alcoholism. So, um thought that was really kind of interesting um, but it is it's so true and it's you know it's it, it just it is so much part of our culture I have often wondered uh, how people who who have drinking problems who have decided to give it up how they actually then are able to mingle with the whole world and and be able to socialize without that whatever it is that cocktail that um, whether it be a cocktail, a glass of wine, whatever it is, that it must be really, really hard. Well, I think it's a social lubricant, and, and whatever your reasons were. I mean, for me, in my book, I call it the modern woman's steroid, enabling us to do the heavy lifting that's involved in it. And this is pre-pandemic in, in a very complex world, and it is a complex world for women, and we are catching up to men or have reached parity. Um, you know, I'm now in my 15th year of recovery from drinking, and I haven't obviously had a drink in all that time, and life is rich. I just returned from a, a beautiful writer's retreat in Mexico, and where I met many, many other women, and a lot were talking about drinking, whether to drink or not, what it affected had on their health, because... Science has caught up with us. We know we know so much more about 
the ramifications of drinking than we have uh, in previous times. You bring up an interesting point, Anne, when you say um, it's kind of like um, we use it for the heavy lifting. Why, why such heavy lifting, though, for women? I think we were raised, um, I think in our culture, um, women are raised with an issue of the, the image of perfectionism. We are about 60 or 70 years plus in to this extraordinary social revolution where women go toe-to-toe with men in the workplace. They outpace um, young men in secondary and post-secondary um, um, institutions, and yet we still do all the emotional heavy lifting about mm. raising families, um, generally speaking, of being in the sandwich generation when you're looking after elderly parents. Um, we uh, we are asking a lot of ourselves, whether it's the second shift, the third shift, or the fourth shift, as it, it, it often was in, in the pandemic years, we are seeing an epidemic in women's drinking. And I think I wrote in the Atlantic magazine about perfectionism. Nobody is letting us off the hook. There isn't any sense that we could fail in any one of those shifts. Mm-hmm. And when you can't fail, it's a lot easier if you're standing at the chopping board cutting vegetables up for dinner to pour yourself a glass of wine than to say, as I say to my clients, because I'm now a psychotherapist, could you tell them to wait for 30 minutes and you will put on a, a yoga tape and close the door and get a little privacy after a long day? It was a lot easier for me in that situation to pour a glass of wine than it was to go and do a little yoga or a little meditation or a little breathing. And we know that culturally. We are told this is what you do to relax. In fact, you've earned it. You are a mother. You've earned it. We mm, have seen you've the birthday cards. And we've, yeah. Absolutely. You earned it. That's kind of the key right there, isn't it? It's interesting. On a side note, I teach yoga, actually, quite a bit of yoga, four classes a week. And um, I can I just, hear it. And uh, excuse me? I'm sorry. I just said I can hear it. You said you taught a lot. This becomes so impressed. Yeah, I, I love yoga. I've been doing yoga for over 20 years. But it's it is interesting when you were talking about this heavy lifting, and I'm thinking I always say to myself, why are there always 18 women in the class and two men? You know, mm. and um, but and and they'll have all that, and yet sometimes you know it's like. They're, now they've had their day of work, they've done their relaxation, they're going to go home and they're going to have their dinner, and they're waiting for their reward, their glass of wine. And it, it, it's, it's kind of like they've earned it. And that is really the key right there. Earned what? Earned an opportunity to, I mean, it's really, it is poisonous. I mean, there is, alcohol is, you know, I mean, I've known this for a long time. I had a a gentleman, um, Dr. Ernie Bodai, he was the creator of the breast cancer stamp. And so he knows, obviously, a great deal about breast cancer. And he said the difference between a woman having one cocktail a night versus two is a 50% greater chance of a woman getting breast cancer. I hope I quoted him accurately, but I'm, I'm like 100% sure that that's what he said. Um, and I And so, um, and I could see why, because I know that even for myself, a glass of wine, that's fine. But if I go with that second glass of wine, I've just learned that it just doesn't work for me. I, I feel differently. The next day I feel, you know, I mean, I can function for sure, but 
feel a little sluggish. So, I mean, it's obviously because it, it takes longer to metabolize, right? Yeah, we, we um, hormonally and metabolically are so different from men. And we, um, you know, democratically, we know we're equal, but we just aren't when it comes to alcohol. We become addicted much faster. And the new, new low-risk drinking guidelines that just came out in Canada where I live are extraordinary and they say anything more than two glasses of wine a week and that's two five ounces glass of wine for Um, men or for women or for both 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 is dangerous and you know there's a lot of pushback in canada and the notion there there have been more than a billion people in the world who have heard this news and generally speaking people are saying you're spoiling my fun but the truth (laughs) is the truth is the science the science is there and we know that 15 one five percent of breast cancer cases are attributable to alcohol consumption and yet only five percent of women understand that so that's a really, um, that in and of itself, to say nothing of cardiac issues and other issues, um, many, multiple cancers. Um, so it isn't the benign um, substance that we once thought it was. Um, we do need to take a short break, but when we come back, it's interesting that this the guidelines are the same for men and for women, and whatever happened to drinking red wine for your heart. Now, I'm just going to say this real quick before we take the break. This was a lot of years ago. Again, I had had a physical and one of the things the doctor had done was to check my cholesterol. Well, high cholesterol kind of runs high in my family. And he said, just drink a glass of wine every night. It'll, It'll cut it right down. I don't remember now whether I started drinking wine and whether that red wine or whether that changed anything. But, um, you know, I mean, and then they always talk about the French, right, that they drink red wine and lots of it. And, and um, but anyway, so I just wanted to point that out. So marinate on that. And when we come back, let's talk about that a little bit more. Listeners, stay with us here. Don't go anywhere. This is life. Don't miss it. I'm Francesca, and you're listening to The Francesca Luca Show on 95.9 WATD. doesn't go to the hair salon to liven up their looks, though sometimes you look worse on the way out than you did walking in. You can expect something different at Hair Design Fationa. With a super modern feel that can hardly be mistaken for suburban, a full-service hair salon, they offer cuts, color, highlighting, and formal design. Fationa is originally from Europe where she owned her own salon. With an impressive following, she won't disappoint. I know because I can tell you from my own experience, I felt transformed and you will too. So if you're looking to turn a few heads, call Fationa today at 781-964-3770. Conveniently located at 834 Washington Street in Braintree or visit her on Facebook. That number again is 781-964-3770. Call today, you'll be thrilled. I know you will. Need a reliable place for your pet? Does your dog crave extra stimulation instead of social isolation? Sign up for doggy daycare at the Dog's Den in Pembroke. With two separate yards and plenty of supervision, your dog will have a ball and tug-of-war toys and plenty of new friends. The Dog's Den also specializes in grooming, 
Each groomer at the Dog's Den has decades of experience and will leave your furry friend refreshed and ready for their next adventure. Schedule your grooming or daycare today at thedogsdengrooming.com. Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terramia Ristorante, a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. This cozy trattoria with stucco walls and beam ceiling specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisine here, the atmosphere is elegant yet understated. And Terramia Ristorante also offers outdoor dining. Since opening in 1993, Terramia Ristorante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing, and best of all, it's reasonably priced. For indoor or outdoor dining, the best kept secret is worth the trip. Terramia Ristorante. Call 617-523-3112 or visit terramiaristorante.com. Fearless Angel Boutique in Norwell helps women everywhere feel fearless and beautiful, no matter what's going on in their lives. It's something every woman deserves, and Fearless Angel clothes help make it happen. Whether you're looking for a new outfit for a night out or to really freshen up your wardrobe, Fearless Angel Boutique has the selection and quality to send you home in style. Sign up online at fearlessangelboutique.com to receive 10% off your first order. Fearless Angel Boutique, open Wednesday through Saturday, 10 to 4 p.m. at 412 Washington Street in Norwell. This is life, don't miss it, don't now, for more of the Francesca Luca Show on 95.9 WATD. And we are back, and my guest tonight is Ann Dossett Johnston. She is the author of Drink, The Intimate Relationship Between Women and Alcohol. And uh, so b- before the break, I had asked you about the benefits of alcohol because I mean there's a lot of people out there that that still think red wine is great for your heart um some doctors think that it's very good for cholesterol so what gives (laughs) I have to admit I'd prefer I would prefer that it be good for us rather than not but I, I I drink based on how I feel so it doesn't really matter even if it were really good for me I know that you know more than a a glass or tops too I'm not going to feel great so that's where I'm at but uh, what are your thoughts well we've known um my book came out a long time ago and in fact it is um it already we already knew that red wine wasn't good for your heart um in fact the who came out recently in lancet um the esteemed uh, medical journal came out um this year as well saying no alcohol is good for you not one bit and so anyone chasing the health benefits is is dreaming this is I will say um, something that may shock you. For every legislator in Capitol Hill in Washington, there are two alcohol lobbyists. The alcohol industry is extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. It um, yeah. gives across party borders. And this is just plain not true. And yet, and yet, I will tell you that I have a friend who has recently um, been treated for breast cancer and her um, oncologist said a uh, glass of wine won't hurt you. That's just out of date. That's just completely out of date. But it's interesting because there are some people who have been drinking their whole lives and they live to a ripe old age of 90, 95. 
I can think of one in particular. Um, yeah. And, and, oh, you're right. And, and even... My mother was, was a severe alcoholic and a chain smoker and lived to 85. Wow. So I guess part of That's, it is... We part have of to it talk is, about... I mean, yeah. you're the old yoga expert. We have to talk about quality of life. That's right. Absolutely. Exactly. And being... And well, part of yoga is obviously being mindful of how your body is feeling, listening to your body, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's very interesting. So more than one, no more than two drinks a week for men or women. I'm surprised. Women, that doesn't totally surprise me. It's like, hmm, okay. Um, but men, I thought men, it was two drinks a week, a day. So let's frame this. Let's frame this properly. This is three to, so for no risk, it's zero to two. For medium risk, moderate risk, it's three to six. And for high risk, it's six to nine. Now, this is, landed, this is landed like an axe in Canadian media <laughs> with, with the public saying, you've got to be kidding me. This is the worst news I ever heard. I pay my taxes. I raise my children well. I work hard. What I do on a Friday night is my business. But the truth is science has caught up. Science has caught up and it said, now, is this going to change behavior? I don't think so. It took 30 years or 35 years for the news on tobacco right. to, be, to be actually changing the fact you couldn't smoke in restaurants, you couldn't smoke in airplanes. I mean, it's hard to believe we once smoked on airplanes. But I know it. Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> is alcohol the new tobacco? No, I'm not saying it is. What I am saying is you know how to do your downward dog, you know how to count your calories, know how to measure and count your drinks. Mm-hmm. You know, the era of endless drinking and this is I deserve this, that's over. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, of, of cigarettes and advertising, I remember when I was a kid, the commercials for Virginia Slims, that was, was so sexy. Exactly. You know, I don't remember how old I was, but I remember being like, ooh, and that was the first cigarette I smoked. <laughs> now, yeah, I don't, I don't smoke you know, at all now. I haven't for years. But that was the cigarette that I smoked, Virginia Slims, because it gave the impression of a of a you know a woman looking sexy right i mean smoking was sexy exactly. at the time right and it's the same thing with with um with alcohol and it's so funny because i was i was um in a restaurant and sitting at a a, a cocktail bar with a friend and um the woman to my left she ordered a glass of wine and turns out that they have stemless wine glasses it was like it was the funniest thing it was like she was she didn't want that like it was irritating to her so I, I, you know i had to ask like what, what what is the difference you're drinking your wine it's and why why must it have a stem it's just oh so part it's part of the ritual it's part of it all like holding that stem right it's like it's really ingrained in us isn't it it's what i call romancing the glass mm. i've got a chapter in my book called Romancing the Glass. I've also got a chapter on my book that's called Virginia Swim in a Bottle. And we have seen and we've been weathering the pinking of the market. The alcohol industry looked around in back in the 1990s and said all the Johnny Walker drinkers are dying, dying out. What are we going to do? And they realized the whole gender, the female gender was underperforming and thus was mm. born the pink fizzy um, drinks that are not manly and that are 
it, it was an experiment and it paid off. It oh. paid off. And women really believe that they have deserved, they earn, have earned the right, whether they be new parents, whether they be hard workers, they've earned the right to drink. And science is all of a sudden coming and it's like stepping on a rake. All of a sudden, there's this news and no one wants to hear it. Oh, I couldn't agree with that more. I think women, um, although, as we know, a lot of them drink to be social, when they get into trouble with alcohol, I think that they're they're drinking to numb or to maybe escape loneliness or anxiety, depression. I mean, and women do suffer more depression than men do. What do you think motivates women to drink? I think it's as both someone who got into trouble and as a psychotherapist who has a lot of female um, females in my practice, I think it's to numb. I think these are the questions to ask yourself. Are you drinking to numb mm. um, or just celebrating? When people say, how would I know if I'm in trouble? I say, keep a drinking diary. Keep a drinking diary. If you get up in the morning and say, I'm only having one, and it turns out to be three or it turns out to be two on more nights of the week than you expected, then you probably know when you have a problem. And I think it's um, drinking to escape. There's often a connection with depression. There's often, ironically, a connection with depression, and that's sad because it's a, it is a depressant. Right. Alcohol is exactly. a depressant. and. You know, I was drinking for depression, and I was doing the worst thing I could have done in my life, and I deeply regret it, and my life has been much better since I made a switch. Um, but there's so there's medication out there for depression, so why wouldn't you have, if you knew you were depressed, why wouldn't you have just gone for the, the medication rather than, I guess, self-medicating? Is that what you were doing? It sounds in like. my case, in my case, my mother was cross-addicted, as so many women were in the 60s, like Betty Ford, um, to Valium. And yes. this was um, a highly over-prescribed drug. My mother was one of those people in the 60s, and therefore I swore I would not touch a, touch a pill, which was a mistake, But because certainly using wine was not a great way of treating self-medicating is what I was doing. Right, right. But uh, it is interesting because um, these uh, antidepressant uh, drugs that are out there, I don't know that they work so quickly the way maybe a glass of wine or, or Cosmo will, you know, so. That's right. Right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, so um, I'd like to talk more about the connection between alcohol and health implications. And in particular, uh, breast cancer, but just health implications all over the place because it, it, it's it's funny. Well, it's not funny at all, but you know, I'm getting to an age where um, you know some of the people that I went to high school with, you know, or they'll they'll get a disease and you know then they'll die and they're dying at a very young age and I and I wonder sometimes like what you know were they how much did they drink actually because ever since as i said i had that doctor on dr Bert, uh, ernie bodai about the breast cancer it really struck me um you know and i mean women and, and and look how many women get breast cancer right right so um but anyway i'd like to talk about that when we come back but we do need to take another short break when we return listeners stay with us here lots more to cover This is the Francesca Luca Show. I'm Francesca. We'll talk more in just a bit on 95.9 WATD. 
HM Auto Detailing handles entire fleets of vehicles for local businesses, and they're ready to make your car, truck, or SUV shine like new. Do you stare at that spill from when your coffee got away? Are you sad about the bag of groceries that toppled and stained? Maybe the kid's last food fight left war wounds in your vehicle. Or it just might be time for a good cleaning. Get a fresh start with HM Auto Detailing. Same day service, over 10 years experience. They even detail boats and aircraft. Call HM Auto Detailing today, 781-738-3301. 781-738-3301. HM Auto Detailing, 156 Union Street in Rockland. Plan a wonderful evening in Boston's North End, highlighted by one of the neighborhood's best-kept secrets, Antico Forno. Renowned as one of the world's most authentic Italian restaurants, Antico Forno provides you with an unforgettable dining experience featuring world-class traditional Italian dishes cooked in their beautiful brick oven. Outdoor dining is now available too. Whether seated inside or enjoying an evening under the stars, when you eat at Antico Forno, you feel like part of the family. Antico Forno is open seven days a week. See their menu and make your reservation online at AnticoFornoBoston.com. Fearless Angel Boutique in Norwell helps women everywhere feel fearless and beautiful, no matter what's going on in their lives. It's something every woman deserves, and Fearless Angel clothes help make it happen. Whether you're looking for a new outfit for a night out or to really freshen up your wardrobe, Fearless Angel Boutique has the selection and quality to send you home in style. Sign up online at fearlessangelboutique.com to receive 10% off your first order. Fearless Angel Boutique, open Wednesday through Saturday, 10 to 4 p.m. at 412 Washington Street in Norwell. Your pets deserve the best you can give them. Dr. Judy Morgan from Naturally Healthy Pets can help. Between the books she's written, the courses she offers, and her hundreds of radio and television appearances, she has changed the lives of millions of pet owners. In fact, her goal is to change the lives of over 10 million pets by teaching pet owners worldwide how to minimize the use of chemicals, vaccinations, and poor quality processed food while using natural healing therapies. Her company, Naturally Healthy Pets, provides over 500 high-quality products to enrich the lives of animals. Let Dr. Judy Morgan help you navigate the world of holistic pet care. Begin your journey by visiting drjudymorgan.com. I love coffee. It's a ritual that starts my day off and brings me to that happy place of energy, productivity, and focus. If you want to feel your best, then why not feed your body the best source that you can find? That's why Life Boost Coffee was born. Visit lifeboostcoffee.com to start off your morning the way I do. I'm Francesca. You're listening to The Francesca Luca Show on 95.9 WATD. And we are back. Let me reintroduce my guest, Anne Dossett Johnston. She's the author of Drink, The Intimate Relationship Between Women and Alcohol. Ladies, be careful. Booze is a loan shark. Someone you can trust for a while, but it's turning ugly. Welcome back, Anne. Thank you. So, okay, before the break, we talked a little bit about alcohol and the implications um, with our health, obviously, but I'm I'm curious. Um, well, it's not just breast cancer, but any kind of cancer. Is that where the main problem occurs with alcohol? Is that people are more susceptible to cancers, or is it other diseases as well, like diabetes too? And and well, you said yes, yeah, yeah. 
and and also cardiovascular issues are are a real problem and and the thing we you know sometimes don't talk about is not an illness but violence mm. you know this is this is prevalent when people have had too much alcohol and so in the guidelines that that Canada just came out with they also mentioned violence is very high up there on on the risk Oh, so, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, so, there's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, women can get a little, well, it loosens them up, and then, you know, it's like loose lips. Right? And then the yeah, next and thing, I think, know, Yeah, I think, I think um, we, don't, we don't talk about, you know, high school is, is perhaps the initiation or earlier of alcohol issues, but... Certainly, in terms of of um, university colleges, the escalating of of drinking, and you know, as it turns out now, drinking games are not just a male are are not a male sport. Um, they're co-ed sport, and so he will be drinking beer, she will be drinking tequila or vodka. She probably is three quarters the size or two thirds the size, and has um, not eaten before she went out because right. she wanted to save her calories oh, for yeah. for alcohol. And so this is not a pretty sight. This is not. I want to say, I want to say before we, you know, go further, I'm sounding like one. I'm not a prohibitionist, but I do think we are in the middle of a wake-up call on this, um, which is our favorite drug. We think that more... Deaths come from illicit drugs, but in fact, in North America, more come from alcohol than anything else. Unbelievable. So what is safe on the dial with alcohol? It sounds like pretty much, not much, a glass, maybe two, as you said. You're right. That's a glass, kind, maybe two. That's kind of it. Um, and I just want to shift here a little bit and um, ask you, once a woman does decide that she needs help, is the experience that women have when seeking help to stop drinking different than men? Uh, the biggest problem for women seeking help is their responsibilities as caregivers. So the interesting data is that women do better in rehab than men do, oh. um, but more men go to rehab because it's easier for them to leave the home and, you know, find support, a supportive woman to mother to wife to look after the children. So we have, I have worked at a very progressive place in Canada where um, children are actually, and certainly Betty Ford is is really uh, another great place to mention, um, been proactive in looking after the children and making sure that there are family programs and making sure that um, the whole family gets to be part of the healing. Mm-hmm. So with these new low-risk drinking guidelines, what does this actually mean for women? This means... Um, Put down no, the, the drinks, ladies. I, <laughs> <laughs> very first thing I say is go to, go to your cupboard and get out a measuring cup. And if you can't imagine drinking as little as two drinks a week, at least get, get it... Um, in your mind's eye, in your favorite glass, what is five ounces of wine? And you might find that you've been drinking, you know, more, something more like eight, eight ounces of wine. It's two five-ounce glasses of wine a week. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking at your health, if you're looking at your health, and I'm presuming both women are, 
So that's that's what it looks like, and um, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But, you know, if if it is a habit and uh, women are used to drinking a glass or two of wine a night, I would think that having a glass or two a week would be similar to if someone smokes cigarettes and all of a sudden they have three cigarettes a, a week. Like, how can you do that? Like, don't you just want to stop cold turkey then? Well, I personally think it's easier to stop cold turkey, but, you know, we have never, so let's talk about some good news. We have never had such an, a, a gorgeous choice of non-alcoholic um, substances, choices. Um, we have never had such a robust offering of um, support, um, online support on Zoom in terms of, you know, I'm a host on something called Ola Sober, which is a fabulous women's group. Um, but my advice is always have a drink in your hand, go prepared. So if you have cranberry and soda or if you have whatever it is that you like that is non-alcoholic, mix it up. Start Start easily. Start by saying, I'll have a glass of wine, and then my next drink will be something different. Adjust to the difference. Adjust to the change. Um, going cold turkey is really hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think that this will uh, change women's drinking patterns, this new Honestly, information? no. Excuse me? No? Honestly, no. I think it's going to take a while. I think it's going to... Um, be some time before people really want to make this change. As, as I said, I think there's been terrible pushback, and what people are hearing, what the public is hearing, is you're taking away my fun. Mm-hmm. Why do you think women are over-drinking at the level that they do? I think it's a stressful reality. Um, to be a modern mother, to be a modern working mother, to be a modern stay-at-home mother, um, I think all of these are, are hard. As I said, my stumbling block was empty nesting, and empty nesting was very difficult for me. I was a single mom, and that was that was hard for me. So, I think menopause is tough. Mm. I think that the earlier stages are tough. I think we don't talk enough about it. I think women make tremendous friendships. Um, let's let's give a shout out to that i certainly am surrounded by Mm -hmm. wonderful women and i count on them but it has become a truism that a book club is a wine club Uh, you know a a women's uh, gathering uh, is a drinking opportunity oh it's true i remember having moved into a new place this was a long long time ago and i was putting together a book club in my neighborhood and uh, I remember this woman saying to me, well, I'm not really interested in reading the book, but you know what? I want to come and have, you know, wine with my girlfriend. So, and, and so I think there is some of that. I, I think that it is, and, and which really makes it also difficult. It is, you know, it's, it's not just that you're, you, it's like you're taking away their socialization, you know, they're, they're socializing, they're, um, you know, it just, it seems, but I mean, when you think about it, no one's ever asked me whether there's wine in my glass or whether there's, uh, you know, uh, seltzer water or something. I mean, I don't, exactly. people don't really know and world. I don't think they really care, you know, um, you know, but, but then there is this, this sort of, um, 
you know, peer pressure, even no matter how old you are, that it's like, oh, yeah, well, she doesn't drink. She's kind of a stiff, you know, <laughs> you know, exactly. uh, right. Isn't that the truth? So, um, but of any, course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so uh, how much time do we have left on this uh, segment, Quinn? Two minutes. Okay. You know what? Before we, um, I'm gonna we're gonna take another break because I want to in our last segment talk so much about um, telling. You talk about believing um, that telling our story heals and that writing is because I know you teach a writing course too um, for women who are in recovery, and um, I would really like to give that some some due time. So listeners, stay with us here. We will be right back. of the Francesca Luca Show coming right up on 95.9 WATD. Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terramia Ristorante, a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. This cozy trattoria with stucco walls and beam ceiling specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisine here, the atmosphere is elegant yet understated. And Terramia Ristorante also offers outdoor dining. Since opening in 1993, Terramia Ristorante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing, and best of all, it's reasonably priced. For indoor or outdoor dining, the best kept secret is worth the trip. Terramia Ristorante. Call 617-523-3112 or visit terramiaristorante.com. Who doesn't go to the hair salon to liven up their looks? Though sometimes you look worse on the way out than you did walking in. You can expect something different at Hair Design Fationa. With a super modern feel that can hardly be mistaken for suburban, a full-service hair salon, they offer cuts, color, highlighting, and formal design. Fationa is originally from Europe where she owned her own salon. With an impressive following, she won't disappoint. I know because I can tell you from my own experience, I felt transformed and you will too. So if you're looking to turn a few heads, call Fationa today at 781-964-3770. Conveniently located at 834 Washington Street in Braintree or visit her on Facebook. That number again is 781-964-3770. Call today, you'll be thrilled. I know you will. Need a reliable place for your pet? Does your dog crave extra stimulation instead of social isolation? Sign up for doggy daycare at the Dog's Den in Pembroke. With two separate yards and plenty of supervision, your dog will have a ball and tug-of-war toys and plenty of new friends. The Dog's Den also specializes in grooming. Each groomer at the Dog's Den has decades of experience and will leave your furry friend refreshed and ready for their next adventure. Schedule your grooming or daycare today at thedogsdengrooming.com. You're listening to the Francesca Luca Show. The talk continues on 95.9 WATD. And we are back. And I'm speaking to Ann Dossett Johnson. She is the author of Drink and um, Writing. I know that you do a writing course. And I also believe telling our story heals. As a matter of fact, I for quite some time, I did a support group for uh, the Cambridge uh, Women's Center. And um, I, I found it, well... 
it was over my head. After a period of time, I realized it was um, harder for me than I thought to run a support group like that. But there's no two ways about it. I mean, it makes a big difference, women getting their, their stories out, talking about their feelings. And I... I do believe that that makes, I think, I've always thought journaling is a great way to heal. But tell me a little bit about your writing for recovery and uh, your your writing course. It's called writing, writing Your Recovery, and it can be recovery from anything. Grief is very common. Um, eating disorders, um, certainly uh, alcoholism or any other um, one person's in it who was kidnapped. Um, and I have uh, roughly 80-plus women in this really vibrant memoir writing course. I have writers who graduated and are selling books. And I just believe that telling our stories is one of the greatest portals to self-understanding, whether it's journaling, as you said, or it's writing um, a full-fledged book. And I've been a journalist for more than 40 years, and it's a, a lovely thing in my life. Yeah, no, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I just think that there's so many uh, benefits to it. I mean, just writing can really help you to sort things out. Um, but so this is, though, a memoir? That you're, so this is an actual memoir course? It's a memoir course. So in eight, in eight classes, how do you write your memoir? And I teach people everything from how do you begin how, with what I call quilt squares to how do you get published to how, you, how do you find an agent. Um, and people are moving through and onwards and, and actually getting to that place, which is so exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, that's obviously um, a, a type of self-care. And so in this last segment, let's talk a little bit about self-care and um, what women can do. I mean, you know, I think that boundaries are a big thing for women. Saying no is a big thing for women. Um, but so let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about self-care. How beautiful um, for you to say that because, you know, in, in my years of becoming a psychotherapist, I will say that no matter who the client, it always comes down to boundaries. How do you, how do you stand up for your own boundaries and how, you, how do you learn about your own self-care and make time for it? In our culture, that's a very difficult thing, especially as a woman, to learn how to say the very many ways you can say no, such as I'll think about it or give me some time, you know, stall, stall if you're not seasoned as a person who can say no, to make sure that, you know, we have 160 plus hours a week only. And I was part of a wonderful yoga course a few years ago. And the very first thing they asked us to do was to sit down with a piece of paper and say, here are your week or your hours per week. What do you do with them? And I thought, oh, that's a lot of hours. But the fact is, once you count sleep, once you count grocery shopping, once you count all the obvious, you don't have that many expendable hours to really look after yourself, as you say, self-care. And, you know, do you have time for yoga? Do you have time for your walk? Do you have time for your loved ones? Um, it's, a, it's a really interesting question, and I think a perpetual challenge for most women. Well, I, I think it is for most women, but I also think it can be, I think men can be people pleasers too. And, and, you know, and that goes right in line with being a perfectionist, right? 
Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Well, there's a different way to cope with perfectionism than turning to to alcohol. But um, so I would love uh, your thoughts on that and some ways that you can. There's one journaling about what you're going to, how many hours you're going to spend a day with, you know, X, Y, and Z. But then, then I sort of almost feel like it gets kind of rigid. Yeah, I would say that my life is anything but rigid. I wish it were a little more rigid. I'm I'm an enthusiastic extrovert, and so always trying to put more cherries into the the cake of life. Um, So I'm just ever mindful in my 60s of how I spend my time, ever mindful of... For me, am I making room for the yoga stretching that I need to do to remain a thriving individual? And I think, I think in this conversation about alcohol, the question is, are you vital? Are you thriving? Is it, is it shutting you down? Are you using it as it to escape and numb? Or is it something that's actually bringing a benefit to your life? And only the individual can answer that question. Well, do you think that it brings any benefit to people's lives? Let's put it this way. It's a very enjoyable part of life, of adult life. And I think that it wouldn't be so complex if it weren't such a pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. It is a pleasure. And I'd be the last person to deny that. And so how do you manage that pleasure just as you manage, say, your interest in eating sweets or any other thing that that you may have become educated about it, about how do you manage it and how do you manage your sleep? How do you manage to be a vital human being, which is at heart, I think, the, the question we all need to ask ourselves. Well, it is moderation, isn't it? You know, I um, I do have quite a sweet tooth, but I mean, I really have to watch it. But you know what? I have one piece of like a little chocolate kiss every day. That's it. Beautiful. That's it. Because I'm not, well, I shouldn't say every single day, always. I mean, if I'm at a, a party, a birthday party or something, I might have a small piece of cake or, you know, half a piece of the cake or something. But, um, you know, it has to be in moderation because, I mean, I could just drown myself in sugar, you know. And, um, and you know, and interestingly enough, uh, alcohol has a lot of sugar in it, doesn't it? Totally. It's no coincidence when people are newly sober in my sobriety group, they're all wanting dessert. And and think, <laughs> I never had a sweet tooth before. Well, yes, you did. You just took it in a different form. Yeah, or they take up smoking. Right? right. You know, so it's, yeah, I mean, I don't know about replacing one addiction with another, though, either. I mean, it's sort of like... Well, they take up shopping, yes. It's called the whack-a-mole theory, that all of a sudden you're shopping when you didn't shop before, or all of a sudden you're, you know, gambling, unfortunately. It's it's common. It's amazing how, though, that just quieting ourselves down and being in a, you know, a still place can feel so good, you know, but it's just getting from that point A to point B to really, you know, I always say to my students when they come to yoga, the hardest part has been getting here, you know, um, because once they're there, they always feel so great afterwards. But sometimes, you know, things get in the way. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to get take the kids here. I've got to take the kids there. I've got to do this. Then I've got to do that. I've got to go grocery shop. And I don't have time for yoga. Um, so it really is about also giving ourselves permission, isn't it? to say yes to ourselves and no to something else. Yeah, you couldn't have said that better. I think that's true. I have a 
a vibrant sister who exercises quite a bit every day and, and admitted this morning that, you know, it, it's hard to get to it. And I think what you say is, is right, but we need to make time for the things that make us feel healthy. Oh, absolutely. And we just have a couple minutes left before the end of our very interesting and informative show. So I'd just like to know, is there anything you'd like to share with our listening audience in the next minute and a half, two minutes that we haven't uh, shared tonight? I just think that there is, you know, any, I'm uh, as a writer, as an editor, there's any uh, number of things that we can achieve if we make friends with our own story, make friends with journaling, make friends with, you know, being, being conscious, conscious people, conscious, conscious humans. And, um, for me, for me, there is no better, um, mode than asking ourselves, you know, what is, what is the meaning of my life? Mm -hmm. Um, journaling, writing, um, being your own narrator. It's very, very important. Oh, and you have just been such a pleasure. Anne Dossett Johnston, the author of Drink, The Intimate Relationship Between Women and Alcohol. And is there a website that people can go to to, to gather resources to, for them? Yes. A-N-N, my first name, Anne Dossett, D-O-W-S-E-T-T, Johnston.com, AnneDossettJohnston.com, and all the information there. Fantastic. And thanks again for being a guest on the show tonight. It's really been a pleasure. And thank you for so much important information. Really do appreciate it. Thank you, Francesca. It's been a joy. Okay. All right. We've got to wrap things up and say good night. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you missed part of the show, you can hop on over to my iTunes page and download the show there. See you next week. Same time, same place. Make it a great week. Don't miss it